Well, welcome. Welcome to Lion and Lamb Church in our Resurrection Sunday service lessons and hymns for 2020. This is a service that we've repeated several years, and I hope you appreciate it. What we're going to do is we're going to move through scripture readings and songs as we pursue the theme of Jesus' resurrection. And we'll go from Sunday morning of his resurrection, we'll see his interaction with the disciples, and then his commissioning of people just like us to go forth as his witnesses. If you don't already have a program for this morning's service, you can download one right now from lionandlambchurch.com. That'll be in the banner at the top of the page. That would provide you the lyrics to the songs, and I hope you have those so you can join us at home in singing. It makes the experience a whole, whole lot more important for each of us to be engaging in all the ways we can. So sing with us if you would. With that, I'm going to pray. We'll, I'll also mention, before I forget, we'll have a devotional near the end, and we'll also share the Lord's Supper together. So this would be a great time, if you haven't already, to grab elements, bread and wine, have those ready, and we'll remember the Lord together in His death and His resurrection and His promise to come again near the end of the service. With that, let me pray and we'll start. Father God, would you honor yourself this morning by raising up Christ as we consider Him in His resurrection primarily, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, rose from the dead, Lord, indicating justification was achieved and with His promise to come again to take us to Himself. Lord, we long for that day, and until then, would you draw us more fully into Christ and His presence. It's in His name we ask it. Amen. strength to face the day 
And in your presence all our fears are washed away, washed away. Hosanna, Hosanna, you are the God who saves us, worthy of all our praises. Hosanna, Hosanna, come have your way among us, welcome you here, Lord Jesus. When we see you, we find strength to face the day. And in your presence, all our fears are washed away. Because when we see you, we find strength to face the day. And in your presence, all our fears are washed away, washed away. Hosanna, Hosanna, you are the God who saves us, worthy of all our praises. Hosanna, Hosanna, come have your way among us, we welcome you here, Lord Jesus. Hosanna, Hosanna, you are the God who saves us, worthy of all our praises. Hosanna, Hosanna, come have your way among us, we welcome you here, Lord Jesus. Our first scripture reading is out of Matthew 28, 1 to 7. Now after the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to look at the grave. And behold, a severe earthquake occurred. For an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled away the stone and sat upon it. And his appearance was like lightning and his clothing as white as snow. The guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus, who has been crucified. He is not here, for he has risen, just as he said. Come, see the place where he was laying. Go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going ahead of you into Galilee, there you will see him. Behold, I have told you. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, oh my soul. Worship His holy name. Sing like never before. Oh, my soul, I'll worship Your holy. 
24. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they came to the tomb, bringing the spices which they had prepared. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men suddenly stood near them in dazzling clothing. And as the women were terrified and bowed their faces to the ground, 
The men said to them, Why do you seek the living one among the dead? He is not here, but he is risen. Remember how he spoke to you while he was still in Galilee, saying that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and the third day rise again. And they remembered his words. And they returned from the tomb and reported all these things to the eleven and to all the rest.
day has come again anew all we sinners sing John 20 verses 1 through 9 now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came early to the tomb while it was still dark and saw the stone already taken away from the tomb. So she ran and came to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved and said to them, they have taken away the Lord out of the tomb and we do not know where they have laid him. So Peter and the other disciple went forth and they were going to the tomb. The two were running together and the other disciple ran ahead faster than Peter and came to the tomb first. And stooping and looking in, he saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he did not go in. And so Simon Peter also came, following him, and entered the tomb, and he saw the linen wrappings lying there, and the face cloth which had been on his head, not lying with the linen wrappings, but rolled up in a place by itself. So the other disciple who had first come to the tomb then also entered, and he saw and believed, for as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise again from the dead. Jesus, it's all 
the tomb weeping and so as she wept she stooped and looked into the tomb and she saw two angels in white sitting one at the head and one at the foot where Jesus his body had been lying and they said to her woman why are you weeping and she said because they have taken away my Lord and I do not know where they have laid him and when she had said this she turned around and saw Jesus standing there and did not know that it was Jesus And Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. And Jesus said to her, Mary. And she turned to him and said in Hebrew, Rabboni, which means teacher. And Jesus said to her, Stop clinging to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brethren and say to them, I ascend to my Father and to your Father, and my God and your God.
reading from Luke 24, starting in verse 13. And behold, two of them were going that very day to a village named Emmaus, which was about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all these things which had taken place. While they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself approached and began traveling with them. But their eyes were prevented from recognizing him. And he said to them, what are these words that you are exchanging with one another as you are walking? And they stood still, looking sad. One of them, named Cleopas, answered and said to him, Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem and unaware of the things which have happened here in these days? And he said to them, What things? And they said to him, The things about Jesus the Nazarene who was a prophet mighty in deed and word in the sight of God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to the sentence of death and crucified him. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, beside all this, it is the third day since these things happened. But also some women among us amazed us. When they were at the tomb early in the morning and did not find his body, they came saying that he had also seen a vision of angels who had said that he was alive. And some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just exactly as the woman, women had said. But him they did not see. And Jesus said to them, O oh, foolish men, and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary for the Christ to suffer these things and to enter into his glory? Then, beginning with Moses and with all the prophets, he explained to them the things concerning himself in all the scriptures. is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly trust in Jesus' name. Christ seems to hide his face I rest on his unchanging grace in every high and stormy gale my anchor holds within the veil my anchor holds within the veil Christ 
Luke 24, 28 to 43. And they approached the village where they were going, and he acted as though he were going farther. But they urged him, saying, Stay with us, for it is getting toward evening, and the day is now nearly over. So he went in to stay with them. When he had reclined at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed it, and breaking it, he began giving it to them. Then their eyes were open, and they recognized him. And he vanished from their sight. They said to one another, Were not our hearts burning within us while he was speaking to us on the road, while he was explaining the scriptures to us? And they got up that very hour and returned to Jerusalem. And they found gathered together the eleven and those who were with them, saying, The Lord really, the Lord has really given, (laughs) the Lord has really risen and has appeared to Simon. They began to relate their experiences on the road and how he was recognized by them in the breaking of the bread. While they were telling these things, he himself stood in their midst and said to them, Peace be to you. But they were startled and frightened and thought that they were seeing a spirit. And he said to them, Why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands and my feet, that it is I myself." Touch me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. While they still could not believe it because of their joy and and amazement, he said to them, Have you anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it before them. 
Let no one caught in sin remain inside the lie of inward shame, but fix our eyes upon the cross and run to him who showed great love and bled for us freely you bled for us christ is risen from the dead trampling over death by death come awake come awake rise up from the grave Christ is risen from the dead we are one with him again come awake come awake come and rise up from the grave beneath the weight of all our sin you bowed to none but heaven's will scheme of hell, no scoffer's crown, no burden great can hold you down in strength. You who reign forever, let your church proclaim. Christ is risen from the dead, trampling over death by death. Come awake, Come awake, come and rise up from the grave. Christ is risen from the dead. We are one with him again. Come awake, come awake, come and rise up from the grave. And no oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, church, come stand in the light. The glory of God has defeated the night. Singing, oh, death, where is your sting? risen from the dead we are one with him again come awake come awake come and rise up from the grave christ is risen from the dead trampling over death by death come awake come awake come and rise up from the grave christ is risen from the dead we are one with him again come awake come awake up from the grave. Now he said to them, These are my words which I have spoke to you while I was still with you 
that all things which are written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be, must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ would suffer and rise again from the dead the third day, and that repentance for forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name to all the nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. Are you hurting and broken within? Overwhelmed by the weight of your sin? Jesus is calling. Have you come to the end of yourself? Do you thirst for a drink from the well? Jesus is calling. Come to the altar, the Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of Jesus and mistakes come today there's no reason to wait Jesus is calling bring your sorrows and trade them for joy from the ashes a new life is born Jesus is calling oh come blood of Jesus Christ. Oh, what a Savior. Isn't he wonderful? Sing alleluia. Christ is
come to the altar the father's arms are open wide forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of jesus christ oh come to the altar the father's arms are open wide forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of jesus christ bear your cross as you wait for the crown tell the world of the treasure you found thank god jesus rose from the dead we would have no hope at all without him and without that event as we're thinking about the the lord's resurrection this morning i want to talk about it i want to look at it or frame it very specifically uh, related to the Jewish calendar. You know, there's a ton of ways in which Jesus is foreshadowed, prophesied of in the Old Testament. But one of the ways was repeated in the Jewish calendar every year. And that's what I want to look at this morning. The Jewish calendar was punctuated each spring by three separate events that were in fact tied together in the same eight-day period. Those three in order were Passover, unleavened bread, and first fruits. And these three feasts occurred in the spring every year on the Jewish calendar. The first month of the year for the Jews varied a little bit from our calendar. It either occurs in March or April because they use a lunar calendar and we use a solar. Their first month, originally called Abib, was the first month of their year. And it started with these celebrations, these three feasts. And the order of the feasts went like this. On the 14th day of Abib, the first month, was the Passover. The next day, the 15th, started the week-long feast of unleavened bread. That ran through the 21st. And then, this complicates it, it's not a day of the week. On the first day after the Sabbath of unleavened bread, that was the feast of first fruits. And what I want to do is look at each briefly. People are usually somewhat familiar with Passover, but I want to look at these as a trio because together they were always meant to show Christ in his death, his burial, and finally, as we're focusing on this morning, his resurrection. The first, the Passover, was the singular event in which God redeemed Israel from Egypt. And you remember the story out of Exodus. God called Moses. He went and told Pharaoh, let my people go, the descendants of Abraham that had become a nation in the 400 years or so that they'd been in Egypt. Of course, Pharaoh did not relent. And so God said that he would glorify himself by a series of powerful signs against Egypt and against Egypt's God. And the last of those was the death of the firstborn. And so God warned both the Jews and the Egyptians that there was a night coming when he would send an angel and that angel would bring death on the firstborn in every home in Egypt unless they did what God said. And God told Moses and the Jews and anyone who chose to, to do this. He said to select a lamb, a spotless lamb, on the 10th of the month, 
they bring that lamb into their own home. They would examine it. If there was any fault in it, they would see it. They'd examine it for four days. And then on the 14th day of that month, they would slay the lamb at twilight. They'd then take that lamb, they would roast it, and they would eat it that night with bitter herbs and unleavened bread. They took the blood of that lamb and they smeared it on the doorpost of their home. Now, the meal itself, the lamb whose blood was around the door, the bitter herbs reflecting the bitter life they'd experienced as slaves in Egypt, and then the unleavened bread. God had told them, you're eating this meal on the run. You have no time for bread to rise, unleavened bread. Every home that obeyed God in these instructions would be passed over by the angel of death, and thus the name of the feast and any home in which that wasn't the case, in which the blood of the lamb hadn't been on the door of the home, the eldest born in that house would die. After that singular event, every spring on the 14th of the first month, Israel was to remember and celebrate God's deliverance from Egypt, from Pharaoh, and from the gods of Egypt. And they did so by slaying a lamb, eating it along with bitter herbs and the unleavened bread. That initial Passover event and then every annual reenactment of the deliverance by the blood of the Passover lamb was always meant to be, and usually is seen today without problem, understood to be a picture of the Lord Jesus as the Lamb of God who would take away the sins of the world. You get in John's Gospel, and this church's name, Lion and Lamb, comes in part from the phrase John said, John the Baptist in John 1.29, when he saw Jesus and he said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Just as Jewish families inspected their lamb before Passover, while Jesus was in Jerusalem in the last week of his life, he also was being tested and tried by the religious leaders. They were, in fact, hoping to find some fault in him, some means of accusation. Try as they might, Jesus proved to be beyond reproach and without fault. He was, in fact, spotless. On Thursday evening, Jesus celebrated Passover with his disciples. And then the next day, the 15th, he was crucified, slain on the cross, blood running down as the ultimate Passover lamb, the lamb of God who would take away the sins of the world. When the apostle Paul was communicating this truth to the Corinthian church, he said it this way in 1 Corinthians 5 verse 7, he said, Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. Passover and the Passover lamb were always meant to point us to Jesus. Jesus, our Passover lamb, as Paul said, died in our stead so that anyone who would shelter under his blood would be passed over by death, in fact, would pass from death to life, would be delivered from the God of this world to the benevolent God of the universe. The single most important thing anyone in life can do is do what the Jews did on the night of the Passover. It's to shelter under the blood of the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, who takes away our sins. His death for us, His blood covering our sin. If you've never trusted Christ, let me plead with you, let me implore you, trust Christ, shelter under His blood, and find forgiveness and life. So Jesus is the fulfillment of Passover, Passover and the Passover lamb. Well, the next day, of course, on the Jewish calendar began the week-long feast of unleavened bread. So historically for the Jews, 
at the Passover event itself and then every annual reenactment afterwards, leaven was removed from the home for the Passover meal and for the entire week that followed it. Nothing with leaven could remain in the home during that week-long celebration. Remember, leaven was a symbol of sin. So for the Passover week, every symbol or semblance of sin was removed. Like bread without yeast, the symbol of sin, Jesus, the fulfillment of unleavened bread, was without any trace of fault or sin. He was morally perfect. Remember, he was tried by the priests and the leadership of the Jews that last week of his life. After Jesus died on the cross, his body was taken down and placed in the grave. That's on the first day of unleavened bread. He was buried on that day. Not only was Jesus morally perfect, but even in his body in death, there was no corruption. His, he was morally perfect in life. His body was without corruption in death. King David prophesied of this in Psalm 16 when he said, My heart is glad, my whole being rejoices, my flesh also dwells secure. For you, speaking of God, you will not abandon my soul to Sheol. You'll not leave me in the grave, and you won't let your Holy One see corruption. Jesus' body would be unstained even in death. In Acts 2, the Apostle Peter quoted that verse again, applying it to Jesus. So like unleavened bread, Jesus was absolutely without sin or corruption in life and also in death. So he is our unleavened bread. There's a second way in which Jesus fulfilled the feast of unleavened bread. This one doesn't get talked about as much. Leaven, we would call this yeast today, is a microscopic single cell fungus and it propagates itself by division. It's called mitosis. This means, and think with me for just a minute, this means that leavened bread is organically connected to every generation of yeast that preceded the yeast that caused that loaf of bread to rise. If you've ever used what's called friendship bread, someone gives you a lump of dough and it has yeast in it. And when you go to make your bread, you take a piece of that dough, you put it in your bread making, and the yeast in it multiplies, and it ferments in your bread and raises the bread. Your bread is organically connected to every loaf of bread that came before it. The yeast has propagated itself identically right on down the line. That's the same thought here. When Israel left Egypt, they left their leaven from Egypt behind. They took none of it with them. They were, in fact, leaving a form of life behind. The leaven was a symbol of their old life, their life of slavery and of death. And Jesus was like unleavened bread in that he carried none of the old sinfulness of our humanity. When he rose from the dead, he was like a new unleavened bread, absolutely independent of the sin and slavery that was part of everyone's life from Adam forward, just like the bread. The Apostle Paul said it this way in 1 Corinthians 15. He said, By a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. As in Adam, think of that first loaf of bread or the yeast in Egypt, all die, so also in Christ, a new unleavened loaf, all shall be made alive. 
Adam's life in us was like yeast, organically connecting us to his fallen nature one generation after another. His sin and death became our sin and death. Jesus became for us a new unstained line of humanity, bringing none of Adam's fallenness with him. Because those who are now in Christ by faith are no longer under the power of that old sinful life, Paul now says it this way in 1 Corinthians 5. He says, cleanse out the old leaven, that old life, that you may be a new lump as you really are unleavened because you're in Christ. Christ, our Passover lamb, and here he connects Passover and unleavened bread in Christ. Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. So, in continuity with the Jewish feast of unleavened bread from Passover, verse 8, let us therefore celebrate the festival not with the old leaven, the leaven of malice and evil, we would say sin generally, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. So for us, we who've sheltered in Jesus have also been set free from the old yeast of our sinful life, going all the way back to Adam. In Christ, we have a new, unspoiled, uncorrupted nature, just like Jesus's. And because that's true, Jesus is our Passover. Because that's true, we should intentionally, we're called to intentionally, willfully, prayerfully, consistently, put sin away from our lives because in Christ we are unleavened. We're called to live out that new reality day by day by Christ's power and the Spirit's presence, of course. That leads us to the last of the three feasts and the one that we want to focus on, which is first fruits on resurrection morning. So back to the Jewish calendar. On the first day after the Sabbath that occurred in the week of unleavened bread, that was the day first fruits was celebrated. Now, Moses wrote about this in Leviticus 23. He didn't actually participate in it because he never got to go into the land of promise. So, when they got into the land of promise, they were called to perform this feast of first fruits. And this is what they were commanded to do Leviticus 23. God said, When you come into the land that I give you and reap its harvest, you shall bring the sheaf of the first fruits of your harvest to the priest. He shall wave the sheaf before the Lord so that you may be accepted. On the day after the Sabbath, the priest shall wave it. So the Sabbath in context here referred to the Sabbath occurring during the week of unleavened bread. So on Sunday, the first day of the new week during unleavened bread, the priest would cut off a pre-selected stalk of barley from the fields Barley was the first crop that would be harvested in the spring. Those stalks were then presented before God in the temple, the first and the best presented to God in the temple, waved before him in token of his ownership of everything. After the nation gave God a token of the first and the best, they were then free to enjoy the rest of the harvest. So in that sense, First fruits was also a symbol of all the grain that was yet to be gathered in. They gave God the first and the best, confident that God would bring the rest of the harvest in. Jesus is our first fruits. Jesus' body rested in the grave Friday and then Saturday, the Jewish Sabbath, and then on Sunday, 
After Jesus' death, the same day the high priest would wave the first fruits of barley harvest in the temple, Jesus, the first fruits of God, rose from the grave. Jesus was the ultimate first fruits. He was the first and best of all humanity. He was a token that God is master and owner of all of us. He was the first of God's holy harvest, a harvest of redeemed humanity. And in his resurrection, he was a promise that a great multitude would follow him, would, in other words, be reaped, would join him in resurrection life. His resurrection was the guarantee that all who are Christ's will, like him, be brought before the Father, will rise from among the dead, never to die again, will join Jesus in God's presence, holy and beyond reproach. And again, it's in 1 Corinthians that Paul speaks to this very thought. They were entertaining the notion that was part of Greek culture that maybe after all there wasn't a real resurrection. Maybe people's bodies really didn't come back from the dead. Paul said this, 1 Corinthians 15, starting at verse 20. He said, nope, in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. As by a man came death, that would be Adam, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead, the Lord Jesus. In Adam all die, so also in Christ all will be made alive, but each in his own order, Christ the firstfruits. Then it is coming those who belong to Christ. Jesus' resurrection not only represented his vindication and our justification, Paul talks about that in Romans, but he was the first of all the sons and daughters the Father would gather to himself just as the Jews gathered in the harvest in their day. As the first fruits, Jesus has risen from among the dead. He's been raised to heaven where he presents himself as our representative today. And one day, and God willing, it will be soon, God will gather, he will reap the rest of that harvest to himself. And Paul talks about this in 1 Thessalonians 4. He said there, the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. That is, saints whose souls are in heaven with Christ now, their body will actually come from the ground before we who are alive on the earth. He says, then we who are alive and who are left will be caught up together. Think of a harvest. We will be harvested with them at that same moment. We'll meet with them in the clouds, meeting the Lord in the air, so we will always be with the Lord. And he closed by saying, encourage one another with these words. That's the Christian hope. It's not only that Jesus rose from the dead, it's that he's coming back to take us as surely as the crops and the Jewish landscape had been harvested after first fruits. Christ, God's first fruits, has been raised, a guarantee that we join him. So that trio of spring feasts were always meant to point us to Christ. Jesus died as the Lamb of God to take away our sins. The call there is to shelter under his saving blood. Jesus was buried as the unleavened bread. No spot, no wrinkle, morally perfect, body suffering, no decay. We are called because of that, because Christ is in us, to put sin out of our lives and last, Jesus is the first fruits of God's holy harvest. We should look forward to joining him in the Father's presence 
when he calls us to himself. So this Resurrection Sunday, one of my key hopes is that we not only look back at what Jesus accomplished in the past, and that's huge and it's significant and it's needful, but we're also called to look forward because first fruits is a promise of all that is to come. And we are part of that all that is to come. Jesus' resurrection guarantees your resurrection and mine. With that, we're going to move to the Lord's Supper. Resurrection Sunday is an appropriate day, especially appropriate, to remember the Lord in his death and his resurrection. And I'm going to Paul again in 1 Corinthians for the text related to the Lord's Supper because it combines this thought of both looking back at what Jesus has already done and also anticipating or looking forward to his promise to take us to himself. This is from 1 Corinthians 11, 23 through 26. Reads this way. Paul says, I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. That's the Passover meal. When he'd given thanks, he broke it and he said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me, the bread representing his body broken for us. In the same way, also, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me, transforming the annual Passover feast to a new kind of remembrance of the real Passover lamb, the Lord Jesus himself. And verse 26 concluded this, As often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. That's the future look. So Jesus says, remember me, remember what I did for you, remember my love for you, my body broken for you, my blood poured out for you. But Paul says we do this until he comes, until we get that call and we join him and we'll be face to face with Christ forever. We should long for and look forward to that day. So for the Lord's Supper, we want to both look back at what Jesus has already accomplished, but we also want to look forward. We want to anticipate his call in taking us to himself. We look back and remember what he's accomplished, his death, his blood, covering our sin, removing us from death to life. And then we look forward to his return for us when we're caught up together, gathered up by Jesus into his presence, called into the very presence of God the Father. I hope you have elements at home. We have some elements here, and we're going to take those now. And what I'd like to do, as we usually do in person here on Sunday morning, is if you would, take a moment to pray. You might confess sin to God. You might get things right with someone sitting next to you. But if you would do that now, and then when you're ready, if you would take the bread... And eat that when you're ready, and I'll wait a few moments here. We'll, we'll take the Lord's Supper here and wait for you also. And then if you would, hold the cup, and we'll take the cup together. So let's remember the Lord now. I'll pray. Lord Jesus, you did what no one else could do. You took away our sin. You ended our old life. You gave us new life. Lord, your resurrection was, was proof that justification was present, that sin was put away, that God the Father could look with pleasure and forgiveness, that restitution had been made. We were no longer our own, but we'd been bought with a price, the precious blood 
of the Lamb. Lord, would you draw our hearts more fully to yourself this Resurrection Sunday. And as we consider Jesus in what he did, body broken, blood shed, and also the promise to come again, would you help us to love him more fully, more dearly, Lord, our Savior and our God. Father, what thanks can we give for Jesus, our Passover lamb, our unleavened bread, our first fruits. Thanks for the restoration you give us, Lord. Thanks for the body broken for us and the blood shed for our redemption. Lord Jesus, we celebrate you until we see you face to face. alone my hope is found he is my light my strength my song this cornerstone this solid ground firm through the fiercest drought and storm what heights of love what depths of peace when fears are still when striving cease my comforter my all in all here in the love of christ i stand in christ alone who took on flesh fullness of god in helpless babe this gift of love and righteousness Scorned by the ones he came to save Till on that cross as Jesus died The wrath of God was 
Resurrection Sunday service. I hope you have a great rest of the day, and I hope you'll join us next week for our, our next Sunday service. Thank you. <laughs>